As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hello again, Broncos country, and welcome again to another episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. We really appreciate that you guys join in each and every week to listen to Matt and myself break down the upcoming game for your Denver Broncos. This week, your Denver Broncos are wearing your throwback helmets, just the helmets, not the whole the whole uniform, against the Los Angeles Rams, the red-hot Los Angeles Rams. Upcoming in this episode, Matt and myself break down exactly what we think is going on with the Denver Broncos, why we think the coaching staff has lost a little bit of touch and what they need to do to bring it back, as well as going into the numbers on the Los Angeles Rams and what to expect as they come into Denver on a very snowy day, which hopefully that plays into our advantage. So sit back, relax, hit that share button, tell your friends, tell your family, Tell your enemies and enjoy the Orange Weekly Podcast. All right, so welcome back, Broncos country, to another episode of the Orange Weekly pregame podcast. I, as always, am one of your hosts, Jared, and I am joined here with Matt. Matt, how are you doing this week? I'm doing fantastic. A little bit better than you are after a big loss. That was It was tough. I think it was tough yeah. for all of Broncos country, to be 100% honest with you. Yeah, it definitely was. I was not, I was not expecting such a blowout by, uh, by the Jets, especially the Jets. Like, come on. Right. If you're joining us for the first time, thanks again for listening. And we are going to talk about our pregame coming up against the LA Rams. But before we get into that, Matt, there's a couple things that I think a lot of the listeners want to, want us to talk about. And something that we've been posting on our Facebook and our uh, social media sites that people want us to talk about is this hot seat that we have currently at the head coach and defensive coordinator and and honestly the offensive coordinator position about the way we played against the Jets uh, wh- what are your thoughts on uh, on all this um i don't it's hard to say i think they need a change for sure uh, i don't think it's necessarily the coordinator's fault at this point you know this is like the second year that it's been this very unambitious team that's been going on the field so i think it's a head coach issue um, Vance Joseph, he came in pretty with, with pretty high expectations, and unfortunately, I just don't think he's matching it right now. Right. Well, I mean, he came off of a he came off of the, the Super Bowl winning team two years before that. Yeah, he did. But you know, look what he did to it. It's hard to follow up that, and I get that. And you know, Broncos country has been giving him a, a lot of leeway, especially after the last season. Everyone's kind of like, okay, we'll see what he does this season. There's, uh, I will say, I am. I 
am a huge or was I should say a huge supporter of Vance Joseph I thought that you know bringing in the players coach is exactly what those guys need someone younger someone that's gonna to level with them but all the way up and even after the Jets game I was still like you know what let's give him a chance all the way up until he his post-game interview I think I've officially swapped to the side of okay Vance needs to go and this is why and I want you I want to get your reaction on this this is what he said in the post-game interview he says it takes four to five plays, and the game is really shot. I'm, I'm quoting this, by the way. <laughs> Yesterday, we gave up three plays on defense that really affected the game real early and kind of put it out of reach early for us. He's saying that those three games, the three plays early in the game, put the game out of reach for them. And what kind of head coach says that? Well, I was trying to find an excuse, a reason for failure other than leadership not being at where it should be. Like, look, Case Keenum threw 51 times. 51 times on a running team, that's, you know, that's more than just three plays. And, I, I mean, I'm assuming he's referring to the three plays in the second quarter. They gave up 21 points in the second quarter. Otherwise, it, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it definitely has to be. I mean, uh, Crowell had that, like, 70-some-yard run. He had another 60-yard run. Uh, Robbie Anderson had a huge catch and just took him down. That all happened really fast in the game. So I get where he's coming from. I think he's trying to minimize the fact that they're in, in a losing situation, a little bit of a losing culture as well. But yeah. I, I just don't see, like, okay, what's going to be different next week against the best offense in the league? We're going to give up three small plays, and that's the reason we lost? No, there's there's a bigger reason here. It's because the team just doesn't seem to have that sense of urgency. They don't know what and it I takes to win. I think it starts with him. Yeah, absolutely. It starts it and it starts ends with him, him too. And, and comments like that is where it comes from. How do you how do you say you know they score three big plays or they get three big plays and now all of a sudden the game's out of reach? Like you can't say that. You can't tell your players or the media that you you thought the game was out of reach in the second quarter. Like yeah. you, you basically told everybody that you gave up on the game because of three big plays. Yeah, I mean at the at the end of half it's twenty one to ten. That's two touchdowns for the Broncos. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like third quarter, Jets scored three, and then uh, they scored ten in the fourth. You know, it's, this is not a big mountain. You know, a big mountain to, to climb here. It's two touchdowns and you're back on top with supposedly a really dynamic offense. So you're right. I mean, I think the the offensive coordinator. There's some issues. The defensive coordinator. There's issues. But if, if you got issues across the board, it's a head coaching thing. It's a leadership. It's a culture thing, which won't come from the coordinators. Unfortunately, it's going to come from uh, from from the head coach. And this week is going to be a very tough matchup for for Vince Joseph. If he doesn't come out at least with some promise of improvement, oh, man, I don't know if he's going to make it through the season. I mean, right. it's hard to come out against the Rams and, and really call yourself a competitor because they're such a difficult team to play against, but yeah. something needs to improve. Yeah, so we played – we talked about this last season, we, or last episode. We played down against the Ravens. We played up against Kansas City, end up losing in a last-minute drive. Uh, we played way down against the Jets. Now are we going to be able to play up – against the Rams. And I'm going to I'm going to lead into uh, us talking about this pregame in the Rams on another coach Joseph quote and uh, something that I think all of Broncos country is on the same page. Quote, something has to change. I'm not going to share what we're going to change, but there are going to be some changes, unquote. So obviously we've we've, we've kind of waited a little bit to record this just in case there were some personnel changes, you know, we didn't really get rid of anybody, we didn't add anybody. Uh, there's been no coach firings or anything. So what kind of changes do you think he's alluding to? Uh, I don't know. Maybe change the shoes. You know, I've got no idea what, like, what change you're referring to. Because, yeah, it's we're recording this on October 10th, and 
by now a coach should have been fired or a player should have been cut or, or, or traded or whatever it may be. So, you know, are they making changes schematically? Are they making changes like to their practice schedule, to their sort of routine as a team, to the locker room culture? You know, we'll know, we won't know. He even said he wants to go with the changes, right? So clearly yeah. it's something within the team or it's nothing at all. So there's a lot of frustrations. I know Chris Harris after the Ravens game had a lot of frustrations. And now Derek Wolf after this game has a lot of frustrations on the play calling and the way that's going. The one thing I have heard from some sources is that there was a team meeting without the coaches to discuss what they think needs to be changed. And apparently Vance Joseph has been very open to listening to what the team thinks needs to be changed going forward. So hopefully that, that makes a little bit of a difference coming from a lot of these guys are Super Bowl winning players. Uh, hopefully he, he takes that and, and goes forward. Yeah. But come on. Will. When, when's the last time a team run by the players ever had success? You know, if, if I'm the head coach and my players are meeting without me or, you know, without the rest of the staff to decide what needs to change on the team, how much control does he actually have? These players, coaches, they don't, they won't last. I'm sorry, but this is not the way to lead men by allowing freedom and, and decision-making. No, you're the head coach. You make the decisions. If, if you'd live and die by your decisions. So clearly Vance Joseph is unwilling to admit any sort of failure in his part. It, it's all, you know, one week it's the three plays, another week it's Joseph, another week it's him. He might, you know, but it, it's never the same. There's there's no respect clearly from his team towards him. It, something's got to change. He's a great guy. He's a fantastic coach, a brilliant football mind. It's his first time as a head coach, and it doesn't always work out. Look at Pete Carroll. You know, the first time he was a head coach, didn't work out. He left, came back, won a Super Bowl, went to two. Um, Bill Belichick had a, a, a bit of a rough stint in the Browns before he came to the Patriots. You know, there's so many coaches that have a poor first experience and have successful after. You know, this is a learning experience for him, and, and he's going through a really good one. But it's, it's time for change for the Broncos because these are prime playing windows for really good players. And right. they're wasting him. Like Von Miller, you know, like why isn't this guy performing at a high level? Like, I'm sorry, he is, he is. But like why isn't he the number one <laughs> sacker in the league? You know, clearly he could be with the rest of his defense. Chris Harris, he's not getting any younger. Case Keenum is not getting any younger. And what, like we're just letting another year go by at 8-8? Eight and eight? and right. then you're going to let the players decide how to, what to change on the team? Like come on, you know? It doesn't work. Right. I, and I, I, I'm on your side with this. I think that, he's losing track of his team and it's, it's showing and it's showing not just in, in the media and showing in, you know, the way that the players are reacting to questions that they're getting, but also the way that he's going about everything. And even on the field, you could tell that he's getting, he's kind of has this deer in headlights look when, when things aren't going his way. So that being said, what does need to change? He says, he says things need to change. So what does need to change if we're going against the number one, offense in the nfl that's a great question i i would change the play caller on defense and the one who sets the tone on defense too on the on the sideline anyways um because listen like this offense for the rams this is the number one offense mcveigh is brilliant he's the youngest head coach in the league like here's here's another uh example of first first time head coach this guy's having enormous success in his first and second year, and he's incredibly dynamic. Uh, you know, he's got probably the best running back in the league. He's got one of the best up-and-coming quarterbacks. He's got great receiving core and a top offensive line. You know, with this sort of shady defense that the Broncos have been putting out, I don't know what, what needs to change other than the person calling the plays. Because, honestly, the last games they've allowed 27, 34, 27, 
you know, like it, this is a this this isn't good performance by a defense that used to be ranked number one. And the Rams, yeah. on the flip side, the Rams haven't scored less than thirty points a game. You know, and 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 the thing right. with the Rams too isn't necessarily about stopping them from scoring, but it's also outscoring them. How are the Broncos going to outscore a team that regularly puts up at least thirty? The lowest this year has been thirty-three points, and the highest thirty-eight. That's ridiculous. The Broncos' highest point total this year has been, um, I think, it's twenty-seven against the Seahawks, and the lowest is fourteen against the Ravens. That's not going to do against the the Rams. So to think that there's only three plays that cause them to lose against the Jets, please, please, like right. who do you think we you know we are here as, as fans and and critiques you know of of these teams? It's clearly we see through something here and. And then Joseph just hasn't seemed to found, find rather like what, what he can do to change and make a difference except give blame apparently. I, I think I think the biggest thing to take away from here is, is so you were talking about changing the play caller and here's the unfortunate part is he's taken credit for this defense. Mm-hmm. He's taken credit and blame in, in different scenarios. Again, sometimes he'll push blame, sometimes he'll take it. But he's taken he's taken a lot of – I mean we, we hired him on as a defensive player, as a defensive yeah. coach. Yeah. He was the defensive coordinator in Miami on a terrible defense, which, again, there was a lot of questions on why we hired him from a defensive coordinator from a terrible defense. Um, uh, uh, cornerback or a DB coach by trade, a DB by, by trade, and a, a Super Bowl-winning defense, a top defense, top-ranked defense for years and years, and all of a sudden yeah. we're getting the worst defense in the league. Oh, yeah. The 30th in the run. I almost want to say that they they listened to us last week, but they completely did the opposite because what we said was last week was we have the one of the best run defenses in the league and we have one of the best run offenses in the league, and that's really good to look forward to. It's something that we could push on. And then what do they do? They let up the most rushing yards in the game. Yeah. And then they go ahead and, and they only run 19 times. They, they throw it for 51 like what are they? What's the concept here? What's the thought process? There's there's no concept. They're just throwing anything out anymore. Like with with running backs like Lindsey and Freeman, why aren't you running it all the time? At least like you know at least half of your plays. It should be a balanced team. Like if they consistently run the ball, they're gonna move. They're gonna get the chains going and they're gonna score. They'll be able to keep up with the Jets and at least right. control the clock. Throwing it 51 times, the quarterback who shouldn't be throwing it 51 times. Like this isn't Drew Brees back there. Case Keenum yeah. is another excellent game manager like the Alex Smiths. You know, these guys are really good at what they do, and they can win games, but they have to be managed properly. They have to have a balanced team. And the, the, they're not doing this. And they're right. They're number 30 in run defense. This used to be a top-run defense. And now they're number 30 in run defense. Like, whoa, that's They're that's number 30 crazy. now. I, I, we entered that game at number, like, nine. Yeah. Huge drop. Huge, huge drop. drop. I mean, we let up, like, th- some of them 330 yards or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's not good. So I mean, like again, this is uh, we we got the Rams to talk about, but you know, if we allow Isaiah Crowell to run for two hundred nineteen, what's Todd Gurley gonna do? Yeah, uh, the number seven rushing defense or rush seven number seven rushing offense in the league. Yeah. And so yeah. so that brings us to a good point too in in um, how we're gonna end up playing this Rams defense. Um, well, that's, it, that's sorry. How we're going to end up playing this Rams offense? Yeah, on defense. How we're going to end up playing this Rams offense? 
that's that's a that's a good point. I, I I honestly don't know how. I'm kind of lost for for answers right now. Uh, but not to be completely negative. I mean, the the one thing is Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup, the two leading receivers for the Rams, are they were in the concussion protocol earlier this week, and they're showing they showing signs are. of yeah, they still are, but they're like showing signs that they might be ready to play by the weekend. So that could change. If it doesn't, say the both these players are out, then there's a better chance because Robert Woods will now be like their leading receiver. Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield. Then after that, there's a huge drop off in production. Um, Tyler Higby is the fifth leading receiver on the Rams, and he's got he's only had, had sorry he only has five catches for nine uh, targets, 64 yards this year. So it's nothing. So if, if Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup, they're both out or one of them's out, then I think you know the Broncos have a stronger chance. Otherwise, it's it's a tough one to match up against because Cooks goes deep. Woods goes deep. Cup kind of manages the middle, and you know, same with Gurley. So it's it's pretty difficult offense to play against. Right. But there is still a lot of potential. Look what the Seahawks did. They put up 31 points against the Rams, and the Seahawks they're not that strong this year. You know, they've got a pretty weak defense, and Russell Wilson only threw it 21 times for three touchdowns. Right. So the Rams have a really strong offense, but their weakness does come on the defensive side. It's not a huge weakness, like we'll be honest, but it's. It's right. not their strength that they're used to, as they're used to be, mainly because Akeem Talib's been out. I think he had surgery a few weeks ago. He's been out for a while, so that puts a big hole in the defense. We know all about that. But, I mean, here's here's the guy who played for the Broncos last year. And let's not forget, wait, uh, forget Wade, Wade Phillips. Um, Wade, Phillips. Wade Phillips is, I mean, brilliant defensive mind, and he's, he's going to, you know, do a number on the Broncos if they're not prepared. But I'd like to talk about, too, about the Rams. Their coaching staff is very unique. Because Sean McVay, when he hired Wade Phillips, he gave Wade full autonomy over the defense. Right. So basically, he's kind of saying, okay, I'm going to be head coach of the team, but you're head coach of the defense. I'm not going to, you know, you do what you want. And um, on the offensive side, so instead of having one coordinator, because McVay calls the plays, he designs the playbook, he does all that, he has a run game coordinator and a pass game coordinator, both at right. the same level and, and same hierarchy. So this is a pretty interesting staff you know it's different than than what we see otherwise and um, this sort of uniqueness i think has played dividends you know has paid dividends and it was to to sean mcveigh because it just allows him to do what he does best and he has a great supporting cast around him when he doesn't have to worry about the defense and you get a guy like wade phillips every broncos fan knows wade phillips you know to lead your defense and you've got your two coordinators that just support you and your play call and they're both specialized that's pretty cool that's a very interesting way to to run a team and so i think it's playing it's 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 paying off on offense on defense. I think there are just a little bit uh, weak in the secondary and especially the linebackers. Linebackers this year they knew this was going to be an issue, um, and and it has turned out to be a bit of an issue. Their defensive line though, that's going to be the struggle. Michael Brockers, Dominican Sue, and Aaron Donald. Those guys are going to be really tough to play against. So, yeah. you know, we will have to lean on the run just to at least occupy these bodies so we can try to find the pass. Because, you know, if Russell Wilson can go and put up three touchdowns on 21 passes, that's pretty good. And Chris Carson, the running back, ran for 116. So, you know, there's potential. The, the, the This Rams defense is very beatable, very beatable. They just have to find the gaps and exploit them. But my fear really comes from the Rams offense. This offense is uh, scary good. So... I don't know how Joseph is going to come up with a game plan and match up with these guys. Or maybe he's already thinking of his excuses to, to say why he lost for next week. <laughs> he's writing them down in a notebook. Yeah, maybe this one will be good this week. 
I think uh, I, I, I want to mention something that you mentioned about Sean McVay and not to really like bow down to him. But I think what he did with this with the Wade Phillips hire was probably one of the smartest things that he possibly could have done. And what I what I like about it is that he came in knowing he was the youngest head coach in NFL history and said, you know what, I need I'm an offensive guy and I was hired on as an offensive guy. I need an experienced Super Bowl winning defense guy that I can give him full control of the defense. And he doesn't even he basically you're right, made him a head coach of the defense and then he's taken head coach of the offense. While he still wears that head coach overall, he still gives Wade Phillips full autonomy, which is why he would have never worked in our system uh, with with VJ with Vance Joseph, so I think that that was one of the smartest things he did. And, and obviously, going out, you know, their their front office has gone out and got a lot of really good players over the off season. Try to get a bunch of those guys out to LA, you know, the the, the Hollywood lifestyle, and try to get them out there. And it's it's worked, right? Uh, Akeem Talib, they picked up Marcus Peters. Obviously, Aaron Donald signed for that contract to stay. So that defense is really, oh yeah, really. I, it's high paid, uh, and and I'll tell you this: it's the same reason the Kansas City defense looks so bad on paper is because the offense scores so fast. Yeah, that the defense is out there. I'd say for, probably seventy five percent of the game. I, absolutely, most of the game, absolutely. And you know, uh, this they're okay with it because it's still a very dynamic defense. Uh, you know, they, they've got playmakers along the defensive line where their strength is, and j- exactly like you said, Wade Phillips and Keith Talib, the two probably strongest forces on the Broncos defense for a number of years are now in the Rams. You know, that hurts. It hurts to lose your defensive leader like Wade Phillips. It hurts to lose your best secondary player like Akeem Tlaib. You know, I was expecting a bit of drop in productivity for the Broncos defense, but just not this much. You know, I, I felt like Joseph is just kind of, you know, wasting some of these good years. Yeah, it's funny too because I hear all these other analysts talk about, oh, is Akeem Tlaib really the reason your defense is doing bad? And and honestly, mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I no. think it has a, a. I think it has a part to play. Don't get me wrong. I think he, you know, he kind of lit a fire on that defense. Sometimes he was really, you know, uh, out there and and had a lot of high energy. But I don't think it's the reason we're we're doing so bad. I think a lot of the play calling and you know some of these guys. Like, you know, like we talked about Chris Harris and uh, Wolf had, had mentioned after games that, you know, they're not happy with the way things are being called because they've been on teams that won. Yeah. And now they're losing. Now they're on teams that lose. And it's, yeah. it's just hard it's to hard. wrap your head around. Absolutely. It's it, it's going to be an interesting one to see how they bounce back. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of do feel bad about, you know, making this a bit of a, a bashing the Broncos conversation. But <laughs> I think you're right when you said earlier on that something needs to change. And that's, you know, all week I was thinking about, you know, what, what we're going to talk about tonight. And the first thing that came to mind is like, well, let's see what's going to have to change. Because clearly this is not what John Elway had in mind when he hired on Vance Joseph and, and when he stuck with him this offseason. So I'd be surprised if he makes it through the year. I really would. And, you know, if this year seems to be lost, then it's sort of a let's hope for a good draft pick again and, you know, get another maybe an offensive-minded head coach next time. You know, they're just going to keep swinging back and forth. Just like in the government, one side and the other side until they <laughs> find something that works out. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen, but uh, there's quite a bit that needs to change in this week, man. It's tough coming off a big loss to a team like the Jets, and they have to go play the yeah. best team in the league. I'd be uh, I'd be nervous too, and my locker room would be pretty uh, pretty tense, I think. Yeah. So let's let's switch it then. Let's let's uh, take off our you know our hat of. The Broncos aren't doing so bad. Let's let's take off our Broncos bashing hat and put on our we're on VJ side. We're on Vance Joseph's side. We need him to keep his job. We're his best friend. What <laughs> does he need to do? 
I think the only way to keep his job right now is to beat the Rams. Oh, oh yeah. If he beats the Rams, I think it'll if be... he beats the Rams, he keeps his job through the rest of the year. If he doesn't beat the the Rams, he's on the permanent hot seat for the rest of the year. So, yeah. what does he need to do to beat the Rams? I'm going to start on offense. He needs to put up more than 31 points. Yeah, that's that is absolutely true. Um, they need to run the ball. They absolutely need to run the ball, and they need to uh, to exploit the outside linebackers because these outside linebackers, they're not that strong. The force of this Rams defense is right in the middle, so yep. use Lindsey to bounce it outside, so this you know to to to, to move this ball in different ways. Um, but on offense, you're absolutely right. They need to score 31 points, and that will be a challenge. But it's very doable because there are yeah. good receivers on the Broncos. Cortland Sutton is coming into his own as a player, and every it's week he's so. looking better and better, which is awesome because they needed a bit of youth at the receiver spot. But he's the third leading receiver on the team, you know, and, and he's only got 10 catches so far. But it's you know he's getting more and more every week. I think so. It's it's going to make a difference, but. I think, you know, that's another good point here. I think that they should spread the ball out a little bit more because Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, they have 33 and 25 catches uh, respectively. So it's, that's, that's a lot for two guys. Whereas, you know, Courtney Sun's got 10, Devontae Booker's got 13. Your third string running back has more catches than your tight end, than, you know, your other best running back. So I think the ball needs to be spread out more on this offense. They need to, to expose some of the weaker spots on the Rams defense. And it's very doable. This Rams defense is beatable. They can keep pace. The Seahawks did. The Broncos absolutely can. Yeah, I I am on the same. And what they need to do is they need to continue playing the hot hand and not throw fifty one times in a game. I think spreading the ball out and with an even fifty fifty is exactly what the Broncos need. Oh, absolutely. Get that, absolutely. Get that run game working to open up the pass game. That's what we're good at. That's what we've been known for, and I think that's what we need to do. And especially with the way that our running backs are running recently, we we just need to continue running running the ball, even with. Only running the ball 18 times last week, which is ridiculous. We talked about that already. Uh, with only running, we're still number. We're still the second overall rushing team in the league. Yeah. Exactly. How do you do that? So, so what we need to do is we need to run the ball, like you said. Their middle is hot, but it's easy to it's easy to bottle up the middle. Get those those linemen to bottle up that middle so they could bounce it to the outside. And once it gets to the outside, especially with a keep to leave out, you can make that break for the outside. Which, if we can do that. Now, don't get me wrong. One of the keys of our offense and our rushing offense is that that the longest run that we've ever had is a 21-yard run. We don't have these big plays that Vance Joseph was talking about, which is fine. No, you don't need Which is fine. Players. As long as we're moving the sticks and honestly controlling the clock, that's all we really need. Yep. Now, on an offense, if we could control the clock and run the ball the whole time and, and score every drive, maybe punt three times a game, possibly only, then we'll score 31 points. But we need those 31 points because no matter how much we control the clock, the offense is going to be out there. So now let's switch over to the offense. So we talked about Cooper Cup. We talked about Brandon Cooks. I just looked it up. They are both – they both went through walkthroughs yesterday. But don't okay. let that, that surprise yeah. you at all because, honestly, everybody that's in concussion protocol has to go that. Basically, that final test is going to come down on Friday. Well, obviously, we're recording this for you guys on Wednesday so that you guys could have something to look forward to coming into the game. But it's going to come down to a Friday decision, probably a Saturday decision from the team doctors and the NFL doctors. They're really cracking down on concussions on whether or not they can play. That is not going to be their decision. I don't care how many walkthroughs they go through. They're going through walkthroughs for a reason. They, they could go through walkthroughs seeing triple, and they're still going to go be able to go through the walkthroughs. So that doesn't matter. It's going to come down to a doctor slash NFL doctor decision. 
So if either one of them are out, it's going to be rough. It's it's going to be it's because now we can put Chris Chris Harris on their number one receiver and then yes. let them ha- make them throw to the outside and yes. make them throw against Bradley Roby. Absolutely, and and that would be the biggest you know that'd be the best case scenario. But you know we they also have to pretend that uh, Cooks and Cup are going to come back because let me live in my daydream world. Yeah, okay? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice dream. I'm kind of living there too, but you know unfortunately <laughs> I think there's always a way for these guys to come back. Um, the one thing playing, I think, in the Broncos' favor is that there is home field advantage. And, you know, this Rams team, yes, they're 5-0, and but it's really difficult to win every single week in the NFL. So the, the more games they go as, as a winning team, the more likely they are to lose a game. And so this might be a little trap game for the Rams. They're looking really hot. They might get, you know, pretty excited about it, and the Broncos are on a downturn, so maybe they're – having a little bit lower expectations and they prepare a little bit lighter for the Broncos. And that's a good sign for the Broncos. You know, it's really going to be who's hungry at the end of the day. Both teams are excellent football teams with a lot of potential. The Broncos just haven't met that potential and the Rams have. That's the only difference. It's only been five games. Anything can turn around. You know what I mean? Like the the Broncos can still have a great season, but this is the game to do it. And it's just, it's going to be a tough one nonetheless, because, you know, Jared Goff, he's, he's got a 72% completion so far this year. He's thrown 1,700 yards, uh, 12 touchdowns, four interceptions. You know, 72% completions, you, you know, that's that's almost three-quarters of the passes are completed. That's impressive. Right. Man. And that's your running impressive. backs running for uh, 4.1 yards per uh, per carry. You know, you run them twice in your, your third and two, three times basically, yeah. and you're getting first downs all day. He's got seven touchdowns in five games. Three came last week. Uh, but still, yeah. so, you know, no fumbles. Like this is a this is a very very confident and and safe team. You know, they're they're really good. So this is what the Broncos need to do to make it a trap game. <laughs> As we move on to it, I I think that the thing that we need to do is is Jared Goff is well protected. Yeah, he's he's super. I mean, that offensive line has gotten not enough credit for what they've done to protect Jared Goff and. I think that we have the ability to stop the run on the first and second, get a second, third and long, maybe third and more than six, make him throw the ball and and send our outside rushers to be able to get him. If we can get a couple hits on him early, I think it's going to rattle him. And if we don't, he's going to sit back in the pocket and throw all day and have a 75% completion rate. But I think that's what we need to do. I think we need to stop that run early because that's what they're going to do. They're going to run on first, maybe throw a short out or a short slant on the first down. If we could hold that back, get a second long, get a third and long, third and more than six, I think we have a chance to get to Jared Goff and be able to make that make that play. But we have to play that aggressive defense. We need to stop being worried about the deep play and just be able to be aggressive on that. And obviously the deep play is going to be there and it's going to be a scare, but we need to get a lot more aggressive on defense. And I think that's why the defensive players have been speaking out about how they're frustrated with the way that the play calling is going. Absolutely, and and you're absolutely right about this uh, this offensive line because they're uh, they're good. Their average age is 30, which is prime. Like their right side's 26, and their yeah. left side's above 30. But you know, the both tackles are really strong. So Chubb and and uh, Miller and Barrett and uh, Ray, these guys are going to have a busy day. But it's going to be the interior. I think I think that's where the 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 biggest opportunity is. You know, send one-on-one against these uh, these tackles and play games with the guards in center. Try to get an inside linebacker exposed, you know, just double twists or turns or stunts, whatever happens. Stunts, yeah. Yeah, whatever it needs to be because that's the quickest way of the quarterback. 
These, these, you know, speed rushes that go around the tackles that come around for the sack, these are the long, you know, pass rushes. These take a while. It takes like three seconds, but that's pretty long in football time. And That's two reads. Yeah, exactly. That's two reads, right? So Goff is getting better and better is making these quick reads. Uh, but the difference is, you know, these, these long sort of pass rushes, they only work on like third and long. They work on the plays that, you know, the quarterback right. needs to sit back. On these quick games that these Rams are playing, especially in the passing game, it's all about getting pressure up the middle and in his face. So they're going to need to get inside, even if they match up Miller and Chubb on the inside on the guards instead of the, instead of the tackles. That's an opportunity too, but they have to expose that middle. And they have to get into his face. That's the only way that they're going to at least get a chance to, to swing the momentum for the Broncos, you know, to get Goff off his game. By the way, I love your stat. The right side's 26 and the left side's 30. I think the right side's favorite food is uh, Italian and the left side's favorite food may be Greek. I'm just, I'm just making this <laughs> Yeah, it could be. Could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, you're, you're right. I, I think that uh, going forward into this game, I think they really need to figure out where their matchups are and where their best matchup on the on the defensive side. Because if you look on paper, we have one of the best defenses, still have one of the best defenses in the league, and on, on by name. If you look at the numbers, we don't. So I think what we need to do is we need to do a better job of finding the matchup and making sure that our matchups are on par. Because a coach like Sean McVay is going to tear us apart if he sees the mismatch somewhere. And uh, we just need to make sure that we stay one step ahead of him, if if at all possible. Okay, so just just bringing it to the to the Broncos' offense too, as we're looking up stats here, uh, the rushing yards before contact stats. So rushing yards before first contact, the Denver Broncos have three point six average rushing yards before contact. I want to give a mm. shout out to the offensive line. That's huge. I want to give a shout out to that offensive line to saying they're not even being touched until they're 3.6 yards down the field. I think that's amazing. That, that, that's really good. That's, that's really the, good. That's number two in the league next to the – actually, number number two in the league. I mean, they have they have more yards total rushing, but uh, we're tied for 3.6 yards without being first contacted uh, with the Cowboys. I th- that's, mm. that's amazing. I think, I think you know, any any – Anybody anywhere looking at these stats knows that we have to run the ball and that our uh, that our our advantage on the offense is running the ball. I think that's where advantage. that's where we're strong. Our strength. Three point six yards per carry before you make contact. That's massive. Before first contact. I mean, like the the Broncos' offensive line has actually is is probably the most improved unit in the entire league. Like they they're putting up really good stats. I mean, these guys are hard to measure sometimes. But right now they're showing to be uh, very valuable on the team, and they're they're again. I mean, I'm stressing the the strength of the Rams' offense and the Rams' defense, but they're going to be up for a big challenge, playing up against Aaron Donald, Michael Brockers, and Dominican Sue. Like, whoo, these are three big bodies. Yeah, they're three big bodies, and they're going to be challenged. But I think that they need to be up for the challenge. I think they're going to oh, be huge. Oh, I mean, even are. even if it's not three point six, even if it's two point five, I'd take two point five before first contact. Anyway, fall forward, you get an extra half a yard. And a, you know what I mean? Oh, no, absolutely. And and the thing is too, like the strength of the Rams' defense is in that middle. And Case Keenum, he's you know doing really well outside the pocket. So if they can get Keenum on bootlegs, you know, if you play that sort of stretch and toss, and you play action on bootlegs, then it might give the Broncos an opportunity to get the ball to Cortland Sutton and, and Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders like on the go while they're running around, right? Which causes a lot of problems for any defense. 
If you get pro proficient outside the pocket, you are in for a very good game, but it's just getting there. You know, that's going to be the difficult one to do, but if they can start moving the ball and get Keenum outside the pocket and throwing on the run, which he's been doing very well at this year, they might have a chance to, to get to that 31 point target that we set. Absolutely. So the, so the other, uh, you know, I, I feel like we should call this a segment of something like inside the numbers or something. So as I'm just going through some stats here, um, explosive plays on offense, Rams and Broncos are tied for plays that have 15 plus rushing yards or 20 plus reception yards. Oh, wow. would you believe okay. that? I would not believe that. No, not in a second. We're tied for 34 total offensive big explosive plays. All right. So I and I think that that shows. You know, we talked about you know uh, Vance Joseph thinking that you know there's a couple big plays can ruin a game. I think if we get a couple big plays off the bat, what we need to stay in the difference is that they're going to keep fighting. Absolutely. And I, I think that if we go down, then that's when we stop fighting, and it's unfortunate, but that's kind of the, the state of the game right now, and. Again, if they go up two big scores right off the bat, if Vance Joseph can rally his guys around and, and create a comeback, then that's that's all the better, and that's what we're hoping for. So, it, I guess it really comes down to who gets the biggest, who gets the most offensive, uh, explosive plays, right? It really does, and it comes down to who's going to set the tone on the team because you know Vance Joseph allowing his players to go and decide what needs to be changed behind his back essentially is. I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't want to necessarily, you know like kind of pull up again behind a guy like that and play hard for him. You know, that's, that's kind of tough on, on leadership, but maybe they'll find leadership and, and purpose within their, the locker, you know, within the players. And that's, what's going to need to happen because no way can you play against the Rams on a sort of half-ass level. You're going to have to bring every single level of competitiveness you have to even match up to what they can do. So it's going to be a good test of who these Broncos are, you know, what they're really made of. Yep. So this is the other thing, too, that Case Keenum's going to have to worry about is that the Rams are number one inside the numbers. <laughs> the Rams are number one in uh, percentage of dropbacks where they apply pressure. Wow. The Rams pre- pressure the quarterback 37%, 37.6% of the time of dropbacks, and that's the number one in the league. Hmm. So that's something that when he does drop back, if we do put ourselves in those third and six, don't be surprised if we don't get it. Because it's yeah. going to be tough. It's, he's going to get pressured. He's going to get pressured quick. So, again, Broncos country, if you're listening, know that when we th- dump it off on third and six, we're expecting the running back or the tight end or whoever we dump it off to to get those extra six yards. We're not just dumping it off for no reason. I think we're trying to put the hands in the balls of our playmakers to get those yards. And I think that's what we're going to need to do. If they're pressuring us 37% of the time, we're going to need to have to dump it off behind behind the pressure to let our, our athletes be athletes and let our guys get, get the, get the first down. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, this, this Rams game, we can, we can kind of stop stressing over the importance of this game, but it's going to be a interesting one to watch. I think Broncos being at home definitely do have an advantage, but yeah. uh, they really need to rally around something to, to, to come out of this game at a positive level. And with, you know, even if they lose, if they were to lose like they did to the chiefs, this really tight game where it's down to one little drive you know, may, maybe that's reason enough to be optimistic because our next game against the Cardinals and then the game after that's the Chiefs again. And it's it's hard, you know, it's hard to beat the same team twice. So the Broncos have a good chance of being the Chiefs. You know, there's promise for the rest of the season, but this is a very crucial game. It's a sort of a turning point. If they can come out on top, it's a lot of promise. If they come out with a you know big loss again, oh man, it'll be a, it'll be a weird energy in that locker room. But there's... 
Yeah, there's potential. We're not saying that the Broncos are going to lose. We're just saying that this is a uh, this is a big game, big big game, and we're realistic about how you know potent this Rams team is and how difficult it will be to play against them. Absolutely. If yeah. we come out and we lose in a close game, a last minute drive, do you think Vance Joseph's seat's still hot, or do you? Oh think yeah. That we, we were we're happy for a loss. But at least it was close. No, no. I mean, at, at this point in time, this is no longer time for like, oh, we were close. We're happy with the effort. You know, this is a must win. Um, if they come no. out on top, great. Two, uh, three and three, we're back at zero. You know, let's keep going back at 500. Let's keep going for the rest of the year. If we come out at right. two and four, you know, the seat's hot. No, re- Regardless of how you lose, the seat will still be hot and it will be hot. The only thing that will stop him or save his job is making the playoffs. Be on track to make the playoffs. If they don't, if they're coming out again two and four, then two and five, and I don't see I don't see Vance Joseph you know finishing the year. I really don't. Yeah. If we if we get taken out of the playoffs before the end of the season, he's done. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I, so. think, I think the day that the day that we're officially mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, he he's he's going to be gone. I think that's the way John Elway is going to play this. I agree. Uh, so, so going into that, let's talk about uh, what we think. Let's go ahead and go into our predictions because. Uh, we're going to try something new here. We have predictions from all of the Orange Weekly staff. They all sent in their predictions. We're going to go ahead and play them for you here in a little bit. Uh, but first, let's get to yours, Matt. What do you think? What's your prediction for this game? Well, I'm going to go against again with the uh, the unfavorable choice, but I'm choosing the Rams. I know. I know. I'm not a trader. I'm a, I'm a free agent. I want a contract. You're a free agent. Yeah. <laughs> we're getting you, though. We're almost there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm going to say the Rams. I think they continue their streak of scoring 30 points a game, and I'm going to say they win 35 to 28. I think that Broncos will put up a good fight, but I just don't think it'll be uh, enough to come up on top against the Rams. Sorry, Broncos country, but Rams 35, Broncos 28. So I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to I'm putting on that other hat of I'm I'm Vance Joseph's brother, and I want him to keep his job. I think. <laughs> I think that the the Broncos have a chance to make this a trap game. You mentioned it earlier. I think we have a chance to make this a trap game, and I think the best way to do that is to put up thirty one points. We've mm. never put up. We haven't put up thirty one points this year. We haven't. We haven't at all. But I think we can. I think we can put up thirty one, and I think it'll be thirty one twenty eight for the Broncos. We're gonna we're gonna slow down their offense. We're gonna surprise them on different play calls we're making. We're making those changes that Vance Joseph's been talking about. They're going to be surprised at it coming out. We're going to get a couple big plays, and I think that's going to be a score. 31-28 for the Broncos. Wow. All right. All right, so let's head it over to the rest of the Orange Weekly staff, starting with David. Hey, guys, this is David from over at Beers, Broncos, and No BS. I know we've got another tough game coming up against the Rams. There's no rest for the weary, it looks like. You know, we took a tough one on the chin against the Jets, and I don't really expect us to turn ourselves around this week. It's going to be a laugher, I think, the way this team is playing right now, unfortunately. Um, Denver Broncos for life, but unfortunately for this week, I'm going to go with Rams 35, Broncos 10, and that might be being merciful. We'll just have to see, fellas. Everybody enjoy. I hope you have a great game, and go Broncos. Ooh, all right, all right. Let's see. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? Hey guys, Kev Dan here, and I think you guys know that I'm one of the more optimistic Bronco fans out there. However, I think at the end of the day, when we're facing a Wade Phillips number one ranked defense in the Los Angeles Rams, I just don't see how our offense can overpower that. So, my score prediction is going to be Rams 35, uh, Broncos 17. So, I hope I'm wrong, and I'm going to end that with a very strong, Go Broncos! 
Okay, you guys are making me feel kind of lonely in my prediction here, but let's head it over to Jay. Hey guys, this is Jay, host of Orange Weekly After Dark. Uh, looking forward to this weekend's game. Not looking good, if you ask me. Uh, Rams are building coffins every week, undefeated. Uh, meanwhile, Broncos are in a free fall. Um, don't have have confidence in each other, let alone their coaching staff. So I think it's going to be a blowout. Uh, Rams 34, Broncos 10. Okay, well, maybe Tanner's on my side. What you got, Tanner? I really hate doing this Broncos country, but after uh, seeing yesterday's debacle, which was a 34-16 loss to the Jets. This Rams game has been worrying me anyways. I'm going uh, Rams 38, Broncos 20. Well, okay. I guess I'm the only one with the prediction that the Broncos are going to win. I hope you guys can eat your words. Ultimately, I realize this is a tough game to win, but thank you guys for your input, and uh, hopefully I can tell you guys I told you so. All right, so that was our predictions from Matt, myself, and the rest of the Orange Weekly crew. So I hope you guys enjoyed those, and I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thanks again for listening. Any parting words for this upcoming game, Matt? Uh, Sleep well, Vance. You're going to need it. (laughs) He's going to need it. Oh, yeah. He's going to need it. So uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, I hope you guys are all following us on uh, Facebook. We have multiple live shows from all the orange weekly staff you just heard from we have our pre-game podcast obviously done by matt and myself that you're listening to we have our post-game podcast done by tanner and jeff which is amazing please listen to those uh, they also try to stay as positive as we possibly can and um, yeah just continue following us tell your friends about us tell your uh, family and uh, make sure you guys are following us on facebook um, you know, something I hadn't mentioned yet, Matt, uh, as we get to the end of the show, if we even still have listeners, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I feel like I moved into the 20th century and I got myself a Twitter. Wow. Look at you growing yeah. up. I, you know what? I thought, I thought it would be something I have not set anything. I have two followers. Um, I, I don't even know what my Twitter handle is. See if I have my Twitter handle. So, uh, so yeah, so I have my Twitter. I haven't set anything up yet. I, I should probably put on there that, you know, I'm the... I'm uh, a co-host for the the pregame podcast and all that stuff. But uh, if you guys want to follow me, go ahead. It's at uh, Coach Jared E. No spaces, no underscore, nothing. Just Coach Jared E. Um, and uh, yeah, follow me. I haven't even made my first post yet. So I've I've always also heard that uh, making your first post is kind of important. You need to have something like thought felt. And I haven't had a thought like that in a long time. Yeah, you know, it's so, like a first kiss, man. There's a lot of pressure. Can't right. be it. Can't be too much. Can't be too little. You know, it's got to be just right. right. Yeah, I, mean, I don't want to change the world with my post or anything. No, no. You know, it's not going to be your best post either, right? But you just got to give your best right. shot, do something good, right. and you should be fine. Yeah. yeah. I was going to go something as simple as go Broncos, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that we'll see how that goes over. Um, all right. Well, Matt, thanks again for joining us. And yeah, uh, thanks, listeners, sir. thanks so much for listening. And please go on, uh, rate and comment. Uh, let us know how you think. Let, let us know what you think. Let us know how you feel. And thanks again for listening. As always, we're going to go ahead and bring it out with the Mad Fanatic. Thanks, guys. Go Broncos. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man.